0: The reading is taken from the book of Genesis, chapter 2, starting to read at verse 4. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord made the earth and the heavens, and no shrub and field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no man to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. The Lord God formed the man from dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Carrying on verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the beasts of the fields and all the birds of the air. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. So the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds of the air, and all the beasts of the field. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and they will become one flesh. The man and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame.
1: I love your Bible, man. That's fantastic. Look at that. This is well used, isn't it? (laughs) Let's pray. Oh Lord God, we thank you for your word to us, we thank you for this origin story that we're looking at, and we pray Lord that as we look into it today, by your spirit you may be speaking to the deepest parts of ourselves, so that we may bear much fruit to your glory. Amen. Um, Looking at Genesis 2, it just has been an exercise for me this week in scratching the surface and finding myself overwhelmed by uh, something that's full of depth. So I thought I would uh, begin with a really deep question, which is this. Um, Think back to your teenage years when you were young and full of hormones and angst and longing and hope. And tell me, what was the popular song of your time that spoke to your soul? In other words, what was your favorite pop song when you were young? It's non-rhetorical. Shout it out. Perhaps sing it. Strawberry fields forever. I don't know that, but it sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Beatles. Oh, it's the Beatles. Who are they? <laughs> <laughs> All you need is love. What? Anyone else? <laughs> wanna be? Is that? Tell me what you want. What you really, really want? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you wanna be my lover. Sorry. And yeah, I I I I I remember having a Eurythmics album, but not not anyone? Anyone else? It's cool, isn't it? I, I think about it, right? Because I'm sure, if you're anything like me, that when you heard that song in your younger years, you were like, listen, never before in history has there existed such a poet as Blondie or Michael Jackson. Or Kurt Cobain, Well, candles. Never has anyone fathomed the hitherto unexplored expressions of the human soul as I am hearing in this song. You would have felt something like that, perhaps. After all, in my era, if you look into my eyes, you will see what you mean to me. Search your heart, search your soul, and when you find me there, you'll search no more. Right. And we can laugh, <laughs> but but don't discount it too quickly. From Shakespeare through to M, because bards have existed, and they have expressed not just teenage angst, but human longing. And one of the things I've done this week, and I dare you to do the same, is to open up Instagram Reels. Right? And you will find how some of that it gets expressed today. And a lot of it is much deeper and much, much more profound than the trash of my day. It's not all I'm going to dance, dance, dance with my hands, hands, hands. Because um, me and Wednesday Adams are pretty much twins, you see. But it's more like this. Tell me something, girl. Are you happy in this modern world? Or do you need more? Is there something else you're searching for? I'm falling. In all the good times, I find myself longing for change. And in the bad times, I fear myself. We're far from the shallows now. You were the shadow to my light, can you feel us? Another star, you fade away, afraid our aim is out of sight, want to see us alive. We're not talking shallow here. Look me in the eyes, tell me what you see. Perfect paradise, tearing at the seams. It's poetry. There's hope in what we sing. There's even defiance. I'm good, yeah, I'm feeling all right. I'm gonna have the best time of my life. To all of the queens who are fighting alone, baby, you're not dancing on your own. It's tapping into something deep. And there's lived wisdom in it. From the heartache, from the pain, taking my message from the veins, speaking my lesson, from the brain, seeing the beauty through the pain. You make me a, you make me a believer. Sorry, do you know these things? Beauty from the pain. These aren't shallow things. But above all, there's longing. Forever young, I want to be forever young. Do you really want to live? I'm, I'm, I'm not overplaying this and I can't sing. You see, no generation has lost the poetry. We shouldn't despise it. And if we're honest, we can still feel the yearning that is caught up in the words of every generation. We remember the days when we would daydream, caught up in the very vibrant energy of life, pondering the desires of our heart. Can you remember those days? And those desires, those longings are a part of who we are. It's the fire of what it means to be human. Viscerally, physical, passionate, adventurous longing. And if we are made in the image of God as we learned last week, then that longing and that yearning and that desire is an aspect of it. We have this searching that we express in poems and prose and songs for connection and creativity And we praise God for it because as we saw last week it is very good. So to get away from TikTok and back to the Bible we are returning to our origin story to Genesis chapter 2 and we're going to see a glimpse there of some of what gets expressed even in today And in fact, if we look at Genesis 2, you might even see what we might consider to be the first pop song written by Adam, not Adam Ant, but Adam the First, who wrote, perhaps rapped. certainly it came from a place of awe, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, and she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of a man. Now bear with me, we're going to unpack it. If you have Genesis 2 in front of you, you may want to look at it. We're looking at the origin story, the creation story. Last week, we looked at chapter 1, which looks at creation from something of a cosmic perspective, being on high, you know, heavens and the earth. And in chapter 2, the narrative now focuses in on the sixth day of creation and the story of the first humans. This is the human perspective of, of creation. And it's worth noting, just if you're a bit of a Bible nerd like me, That at this point Genesis gives us a helpful marker right at the beginning of our reading in verse 4 it tells us this, this is the account of the heavens and the earth, the skies and the land in in effect, when they were created. And we'll see this marker happen as we go forward over the next few weeks. This is the account of the descendants of Adam. This is the account of the descendants of Noah and you'll see that marker throughout the early parts of Genesis but right now we see this is the account of the children of the skies and the land, the heavens and the earth. And as we begin we find that God has made creation good like we saw last week but in some sense not fully booted up There's an incompleteness to it. There is soil, but there's no rain just yet in the beginning of chapter 2. There are plants ready to flourish, but it's in need of someone to prepare the ground. And it's exactly the sort of picture you'd see. If you'd imagine when you're trying to put together an Ikea bit of furniture, you know, where you've got to put that bit in, but you can't put that bit in until that bit's in, but that bit can't go in until that... It all depends on each other, right? Right? Well, right that large, and what you have is ecosystem, mutual dependence. This animal needs that plant, needs that nutrient, and so on, and this beautiful, complex mutual dependence, and that's what God's doing. He's holding this until that's in place, and then he, and it all leans in on each other, and he pulls it together to make this perfect whole. And we see that into this tapestry. He weaves this first human, this Adam, the word Adam just means, well actually literally means one from the ground. The ground is Adamah and from the ground, from the dust, we get the Adam. And this ground being, bearer of God's image, is placed in this ecosystem and we begin to see something of what creative desire means. Adam is drawn outwards from himself into the rest of creation, God leads this Adam into the creative image-bearing that he has placed upon him. And he puts Adam into a garden to work it and to take care of it. And now the shrubs can grow and bear fruit and spring up. Now, because the Adam is there the land can flourish. And the fruit that appears isn't directly a divine work now. It's the fruit of Adam's hands, expressing a desire to be fruitful and productive and creative. And as part of this, God gives this Adam provision and also agency and choice. And the choice is particularly with respect to the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which will be Important later in this, later on in uh, Genesis, but but here Adam is given this place where he can pursue this creativity with freedom. But even at this point, there is an incompleteness. Adam can impart onto the world, but not really into it. That form of creativity, that divine desire for relationship and community. Is yet to happen. It's not good. God tells us that this God-breathed person from the ground should be alone. Adam needs a helper, a counterpart, and this is no small thing. It's unfortunate that we actually the word English word helper is used. It, it makes sense, but the problem is it sounds like this Adam man needs a woman servant, like a a good. English gentleman might need help from the maid downstairs. It sort of sends up that vibe. And the truth is utterly different. The word helper is a word that God uses to speak of himself. Psalm 115 is an example. And it's yet another aspect of the divine image. It speaks of reliance and mutual dependence. You might say rescuer would be a better word. Perhaps even saviour. It's not helper as in lend a hand it's helper as in being dependent upon and so the story unfolds with this need and firstly it's expressed in the negative the gardener adam is for a moment turned into a farmer and he's given the opportunity to name all the animals and this itself is a beautiful act of creativity and care and nurture but the point is made that the what is being looked for can't be found Outside, something deeper is needed, and it's literally brought into being in the place of dreams. The Adam is put into a deep sleep, and then God takes the one and forms two. He makes a distinction the act of creativity that we saw last week, and we saw, uh, and, and as we saw last week, when He makes the image of God, He made them. Male and female, he created them. And so a man and a woman are brought from the dust, not just the dust of the ground, but the dust of each other. And these two are from each other and for each other, and thus are filled with the creative potency, where literally in their good flesh they have the potential not just to affect the world, but to create new image bearers to fill the earth in their community, in their togetherness they can impart themselves very similarly to the way that God pours himself out. And there they are at the end of, the st- of our chapter an intertwined, differentiated union, not subordinate but mutually independent, interdependent Naked, vulnerable, and totally free, and without shame, in their created desire. Can you see that image? And the point, at at this point in the story, what we literally have is the stuff of passion, and intimacy, and romance, and of beautiful shared yearning. And it's a moment that it's recognized in universal history. Pretty much every culture has this place where the creative, physical union of husbands and wives and men and women are pondered and expressed. It's certainly expressed in popular music, sometimes very crassly, but it's pondered and it's expressed. Please hear me. This is where we also run into difficulties. Dig just a little bit into this story and we realise that we're interacting with deep, deep longings. And that can be painful. This story interacts with our deepest longings and therefore aspects of ourselves that come close to our deepest sense of identity. It's easy to feel exposed and judged when we ponder these deepest origins. But I'm hoping that we can approach this story not as a shoehorn of expectations, but as as a place for us to peruse the heart of God. A place of healing, perhaps. Because there's goodness here. Look at what we see. We see the fire for the desire of life in this moment, and it is good. We see that intertwining of us with our environment, tending the earth, naming the animals. That's the passion that we express today in in exploration and formation and doing something on this earth. This is why we are adventurous or gently creative or scientifically thoughtful or vigorously expressive. And all of that is grounded in something good, glorious, honoring, worshipful, life-filled, God-ordained, image-bearing purpose. We are called to tend to the world and bear much fruit for his glory and that is good so stoke that fire of creativity it's a gift last week we learned that we are not platonists we're not disembodied intellects our physicality is good chapter two tells us this week that we are not stoics stoicism is a philosophy which says that perfection is merely rational and that emotions and yearnings and desires are evil things that should be eradicated. But God did not make us to be Spock from Star Trek. We are humans, not Vulcans. We are emotive, desireful yearners for the world and it's good to explore it. So don't be afraid of our desires and our yearnings as a creativity to the world that is right for us to have. And don't ignore the desires and yearnings that we have within humanity. It's no wonder if we know our origins that we quickly attach our creativity to love songs and to songs about friendships and belongings because it's in that closeness and connection that our deepest creativity is expressed. It's why we have high school Musical and why it works it's why we have national anthems and we have fun songs and grief songs and fight songs and take back my life songs there's a fire and a yearning for belonging to be a helper and to be helped to know and to be known and that yearning and that desire is also good and of course there's a yearning that's expressed in romance and passion and when we do that, we are simply echoing that first pop song. When we say and yearn, I, I want to find that I am of you and you are of me. We are different, but we are one. And when we express that deepest thing, no wonder it comes out in urgency and grief and hope and regret and all other types of emotion, unless we're utterly cynical, we know how precious That longing is. There is power in it. The creative yearning to beget. The desire to be fruitful and multiply, whether physically or figuratively. It's not some animal instinct in us wanting us to dominate and reproduce a bunch of clones of ourselves. Rather, there's this longing to pour ourselves out and to make something that's new and different from us. That's part of God's image to us. No wonder we turn it into songs. And no wonder in a broken world that it gets expressed in so much complexity and pain and even trauma. The thing is, when we and our deepest parts rub up against reality, one of the things we want to do sometimes is to turn it all off. I'm yearning and it feels unrequited. I'm desiring, and it's frustrated. I put myself out there, and it got misused. So, Lord, why would you, can you just turn off? Turn it off, Lord. It would be so much easier if I just didn't care. Separate me from the world and from others. Take away my yearnings. Just let me eat and drink and sleep and live out my days. Just like my dog does. But why would God destroy that which is grounded in his goodness? The answer doesn't lie in eradicating our longings. That would be to deny the image of God in ourselves. Rather, the answer lies in a fundamental part of our origin story that has been present in this story from the beginning, but is often missed, and that's this. God himself is not just the narrator of this story, He is a participant in it. He is one of the characters. And our answers and our yearnings and our desires find ourselves in him. And that's what makes it good. Look again at Adam and Eve. There is no pain or shame in their relationship. And there is this because they are not over against each other. Neither of them is trying to dominate the other. Neither are they trying to idolize each other and place unfair burdens and expectations on each other, they're not trying to be God to each other. Rather, their intimacy and their togetherness is not like this. It's like this. They are together in their upward look. They don't look inward to try and find God. They look upward together to find God. And that way, they are truly bearing the image of God. The intimacy that they have is not satisfied in itself but points beyond itself. It doesn't say, look at Adam and Eve and long for what they have. It's look at Adam and Eve and long for God. It's not look at Adam and Eve and long for this but look at that true shame, unshamed union and long for God. The full goodness of what they have derives from from him. It points to his creativity, his joining of them, his forming of them, his breathing of new life. Which is why at the very end of the story, when Jesus himself talks about the future, it's not some future in which we have some fabled 72 virgin wives for every man in the universe. And it's not some future in which soulmates in heaven finally get to hook up. Rather, Jesus speaks of an age in which there is no longer marriage or being given in marriage, for our yearnings and our desires and our intimacy and all that longing for fruitfulness and belonging finds itself in union with God in Christ. No wonder he is called the second Adam, formed within the ribs of Mary the second Eve, and in him is the restoration of all things. He woos us, restores us, draws us. He draws our yearnings and our desires towards the best expression of them where they don't rub up against things and they aren't unrequited. We are fully found in him as we return to that love and that is what Adam and Eve speaks to. Like last week, there's so much we could unpack here. I am going to bring it into land. But there was one thing I was listening to in the last weeks, which I really spoke to me about what this means. It was an interview I heard with a with a Catholic priest, someone who has living a life of vocational singleness. And he was asked, "Father, what do you do when you're sexually attracted to somebody?" It's a genuine question, it was, and it was done very pastorally and well. And his response was this. He said. He says, I do three things, he says, my paraphrase. He says, firstly, I don't pretend that's not there. I have yearnings and desires just like everybody else. Don't try and deny it. Secondly, he says, I give thanks for that with which I can give thanks. I've recognised beauty in this world. I've recognised the beauty of someone and something and, and I can give thanks that that exists. But thirdly, he says this. He says, what I recognize and realize is that the yearnings that I'm experiencing as sexual attraction, at its core, is a yearning for union with God. It's the pang of longing for home. It's the pang that longs for what Jesus will bring about at the end. And I take that yearning and that energy and I steer it towards the pursuit of that. Towards prayer, towards your kingdom come, towards believing that yes, God, you can bring goodness to this world even when it hurts, and I pursue justice with their energy, and I pursue pastoral care with their energy, and I found that very instructive. We yearn and we long and we desire, and it's good. And so we direct it towards God and we invite him in. Lord, refound us, refound me so that all that we have as humans are found in you. Like I said, we can keep on going on and on. Some of the podcasts I've listened to on Genesis 2 go for three hours. All I want to do though is, to, as we finish is to offer this similar invitation to you. Don't Push your yearnings and desires down. Redirect them. Invite God into them. Those intertwining, that longings that we have. Lord, I offer them to you that you may fulfill them. And we do that in communion with him. So I'm going to invite you not to some sort of, you know, particular practice. You need to work that out in yourself. So I can't tell you what the desires of your heart are but I do want to invite you to join me and Jesus at a table today where here we will eat and drink and receive something from him and as we do that as we we have, a, have table fellowship together and with the Lord figuratively invite him into the table fellowship of your heart of your soul and sit at Food with him and be honest with him. Don't be stoical. Give voice to your yearnings. Roar them into fullness. When it's anguish, give him the pain. If it's yearning, give him your emptiness. If it's regret, give him the broken pieces. If it's joy, delight in him. Sing to him. Whatever it is, offer it to him. So we're going to play a song, you can stand and sing if you know it or sit in it as we prepare the table and then we'll join together.